This episode is brought to you by Truefire. Do you want to learn guitar or improve your playing? Are you stuck in a rut and unable to take your playing to the next level? Truefire has your solution. guitar players worldwide learn, practice, and play with TrueFire. Our learning tools and massive library of video lessons will ignite your technical skills, harmonic knowledge, rhythm playing, and soloing chops. TrueFire's educators are the best in the biz, from Grammy Award winners to world-renowned artists. You'll have access to an unparalleled faculty of over 300 top-notch blues, rock, jazz, country, fingerstyle, and acoustic guitar educators. Using our desktop and mobile apps, you'll work with TrueFire's multi-angle video lessons on any device, anytime, anywhere. Integrated learning tools such as video synced tab and notation, slow-mo, looping, practice jam tracks, and many more handy controls accelerate your learning experience. TrueFire's style-specific learning paths guide you every step of the way. Use our assessment tools to find your starting point, then follow our lesson recommendations, and track your progress as you work through your personalized TrueFire study plan. Progress faster with private one-on-one instruction, group lessons, multi-track video jams, live streams, song lessons, student forums, TrueFire's Riff magazine, premium jam tracks, and much, much more. With thousands of five-star ratings and reviews from amateur and pro players alike, you'll find yourself in good company with the world's most comprehensive guitar learning platform. Grab your guitar and ignite your musicality. Sign up free for an all-access trial today. Click the link in the description to find out more. Apparently not everyone. And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. Got that out of the way. (laughs) Um, My guest isn't here. Uh, I, I just did... Uh, communicate with him just a couple of minutes ago there was a problem just as we were getting ready to start the show Streamyard went down and i was scrambling to get restream set up as a backup uh when Streamyard came back up so jeremy nori is supposed to be with me now i just sent him a message that Streamyard is back up let's do this thing i know he's around probably putting his dogs away so they keep quiet during the uh interview uh so i need to stall for a few minutes while he gets here so this morning we uh i we i'm talking about myself as i'm i'm more than one person i we uh decided to try something new and that's something new is called coffee with the dog what's this all about they got three buttons you know i don't see any i've not okay Streamyard's adding new features as they're breaking down so we uh, i uh, started a thing called Coffee with the Dog. It's basically uh, an overnight radio type vibe uh, in the morning as a morning radio thing without the radio. If that any of that makes any sense, I'm just hearing from Jeremy now. He's going to be joining me in one second or one minute or however long it takes. 
Anyway, uh, basically ended up just me rambling for about two hours about the news of the day. What's going on in the world? Not a good place to to be this world uh, today. And life is good for me in general. So it's not about me. It's about the world in general and and the situations that we as Americans face, we as uh, human beings on planet Earth face. Not a good time. Uh, very stressful time, very uncertain times we're living in. So the show was all about that this morning. I'm going to continue doing that for a while for the foreseeable future called Coffee with the Dog, 8 a.m. here in the Eastern Time, 5 a.m. Pacific Time. I know that's early, but it's kind of like a drive time thing. Jeremy's in the back end now uh, getting situated, and we'll bring him in in a minute. Uh, so that's the story. Um, you know, Coffee with the Dog, check it out. And tell your friends about it. Please join in. There will be, uh, I will be accepting phone calls uh, rather, and, you know, we, we, we love the chat room stuff, but it's hard to keep up with. Uh, when you're doing a show to keep, and sometimes there are as many as 30 different chats going on at the same time, depending on how many people are in what rooms. So it's hard to keep up with that. But I will be opening up phone lines uh, starting tomorrow so people can call in. And if you want to join the stream live and be a guest and, and have uh, contribute to the conversation, you have to do that as a Patreon member. But Patreon for my show, and there's a link in the description, just $1 a month at the uh, beginner level, and you will get a, every links to join every single show for the month the, the coffee with the dog shows and the morning shows so uh if you're so inclined to uh actually get some FaceTime on some of these things and want to join me and, and if you want to uh argue with me about some of the things i've said whether it's politics or show business or any of those opinions that i express feel free to do so so those links will be there Right now, we're going to talk to Jeremy Nori. Jerry, Jeremy Nori has been with me before. He's a documentary filmmaker. Uh, his films include subjects like aliens and Bigfoot, cannabis, uh, and a whole bunch of self-help modalities, new age stuff, all this kind of stuff. Uh, he's got a couple of new documentaries he's going to be talking to us about today, I believe. Uh, he's in the back end now. Let's welcome him in because we stalled uh, long enough. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and welcome back, Jeremy Nori. TV podcast. Jeremy, welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Appreciate it. I'm glad to be anywhere. I mean, it's really, and we were about to go live. I was kind of explaining this to the audience when StreamYard just, first time ever, as far as I've been using them, just went down all of a sudden. I did a, a uh, quick uh, emergency look around the web, and other people were complaining about the same thing. I guess they had a momentary sight down situation. Very unusual for them, but I'm glad we were able to get something uh, up and out. Yeah, it, it happens. I've been on other shows where it went down during the show. And right. so, you know. so I've titled this one on social media, um, "Big Smoking Weed with Bigfoot. <laughs> right. uh, uh, what are your latest documentaries about? What, what are the subjects? Because I tried to kind of combine as a couple of the subjects that I know you've talked about. But yeah, yeah, uh, no worries. Those uh, Bigfoot's our most popular thing, and then probably cannabis is the other thing I'm known most for. But uh, we have a psychedelic medicine mini series that the first two episodes are out on that, and uh, we have uh, kind of like a ghost a couple ghost documentaries. We have one Ooh. about EVP and then one just kind of about life after death. And what I'm, in, I'm interested in all of that. Let's see, where do we begin? Um, let, let's start with the, the ghosts and the ET st- uh, stuff. Cause my sure. wife was, my wife was just showing me a video. Now, um, 
somebody was walking around in, I guess, in the woods in the dark and showing uh, what they claimed to be was um, anomalies and things that are happening. I didn't see anything in it, uh, but I'm not. I, I keep an open mind to this stuff because uh, I do feel like there there probably is something out there that that is beyond our understanding of what it is i'm not sure if it's afterlife or what that stuff is uh where you come from with a do you come at doing shooting a documentary on that kind of stuff do you come predisposed with a belief system that they do exist or do you go into it with a complete open mind as a skeptic uh, i myself am a skeptic okay so- uh, I go in with an open mind because I am very interested in uh, this subject in general. And kind of interestingly enough, uh, some of the things in our psychedelic medicine documentary uh, kind of touch on this consciousness and what what other things could be out there kind of subject to. So I, I really I go into open minded, but I myself am a skeptic. I know the people I'm interviewing are hardcore believers. And so between the two of us, I feel like we can tell an honest story. Okay. Uh, Did you see anything that, uh, let me put it this way, what was the most compelling evidence for the case that that you've seen? Okay. So so, uh, I think what's interesting about this whole life after death thing is that a lot of people are pretty, pretty willing to accept that there is something right like there's debate on what it could be right but most people kind of feel like there is something more to this so some people call it spirituality and there's all these different religions but uh, and and then um the subject though of ghosts and like talk communicating with ghosts people pretty much look at that as kind of crazy talk and this is extremely skeptical, right? So, so it's a weird balance where people do believe that there's something else, but communicating with that something else is probably unlikely, right? Um, this is also where the psychedelic stuff kind of comes in too, because a lot of them have these experiences where they think they've communicated with some sort of entity. Um, a lot of times it's God or something religious, uh, but there seems to be this connection and communication that is a common storyline, right? And so I I go into it with the idea that, okay, well, if any of this stuff is true, then maybe there's somebody who can communicate with these things. And, you know, a lot of it is just noises. It's static sounds and these people are telling me that this is what's being said and i'm extremely skeptical about if this is actually what's being said. <laughs> yeah then, then there are ones where it is like oh i i know i could clearly hear that i could clearly hear exactly what was said and and he pointed the, one of the interviewees pointed out stuff to me he's like you can tell if it's like a male or a female and i was like oh yeah that sounded like female for sure and i knew that too and so that kind of stuff, what is that? What is that? And, and so there's obvious, I ask them, what do people say that it is? And then they say, well, they say that it's this and this, but here's why it's not those things. And so uh, it leaves me just kind of skeptical. I, I don't have definitive proof. The, the most proof I've ever seen as far as mainstream evidence of any sort of life after death type of concept is in another person's project 
where they were talking about um, child reincarnation stories. Oh. Yeah. And and I, I've seen a couple of those that made me think I might be wrong. But I kind of think life is pointless and that, you know, none of this stuff exists. <laughs> well, the, here, here you go now. There's a whole, we talked about a whole lot of things there in that one answer. Um, psychedelics, I definitely want to come back to that because I've had some experiences on psychedelics, not the, the spiritual ones per se, but things that um, at least gave me uh, some reason to believe that telepathy might be possible. And uh, But I've never had that spiritual stuff. So I want to come back to the, the, that whole stuff. But on the, um, the ghost stuff, now I've had ghost hunters on the show for for 35 years now back going back to my radio days had lots of ghost hunters on had a psychic on who sent me tapes of what do they call edps whatever you know uh Mm -hmm. and he was certain that within this white noise that he sent me there were voices talking to it and he asked me if i could filter it out and i worked because i uh, I'm an audio engineer. Of course, my ears are kind of shot from 35, 40 years of playing in a rock band, but uh, worked with this white noise he sent me for days trying to see if there's anything there. Send it back to him. I, I think he, he, your imagination's running away. Uh, but I have uh, anecdotally talked to ghost hunters who will say they've actually heard physical voices come out and speak to them. Um, Kim Summer, Sumner's who was uh, bought a, a, did a thing at the Mar Barker house, uh, told me that they were talking to spirits there. She could definitely hear a male voice talk back to her. Uh, and a female voice was somewhere else that was heard in the house. But they don't get that on tape, and so it's hard to see. Joey Gaynor, who is a comedian, uh, did a thing. At, he showed me a video uh, from the seller of the comedy store in Los Angeles. Uh, Looks like, oh, I got, I'm talking to a ghost now. Anyway, uh, I'll, I'll continue with this. <laughs> First time that happened. Uh, dog, dog problems. Anyway, Peter. Uh, <laughs> uh, jo- uh, yeah, the comedy store ghost. Yeah, and, and he was in the basement of Joey, was in the basement, and he was with 40 people, or four, around 40 people who were in the basement. And it's 2 a.m. And there, there's been rumors of a ghost in the comedy store forever. And they were talking to the ghost. And they were all, all the people in the room were in agreement that the, the ghost was talking back. And But I couldn't hear it because it doesn't come through on the video. But there were captions on the bottom of what the ghost was supposed to be saying. So that intrigues me that all those people in the room, not just one person, right. all 40 people in the room heard, heard what and they had a conversation for a good seven minutes eight minutes on this videotape now i'm frustrated because i want to hear it and they're telling me what the ghost is saying but i'm not seeing it um i think there needs to be and this is why i'm bringing it up to you i think there needs to be and i'm trying to get anybody who can get some something done there a real documentary done on the on the comedy store ghost and i think joey might be able to get into that basement uh I would love to hear what what they claim to have heard that conversation. <laughs> um, that's a that's a great idea. Yeah, I used uh, to in Hollywood, and then, you know that's one of those like Hollywood, the uh, Magic Castle allegedly has ghosts, and there's yeah, a few yeah. places up there that that have some cool stories. You would think they'd be open to it because it would definitely uh, be publicity for them, and you know, kind of a cool thing. I, I'm sure I'm not. I'm 
one of the network televisions probably uh, <laughs> covered it in a very schmaltzy way, like unsolved mysteries, like a, a, kid, a quick 15 minute with commercials makes sure. it a half hour type of thing, uh, but not in depth and not real substantial uh, investigation towards the thing. Um, but the idea that goes, so I, I've had psychics anecdotally tell me, but never had any real, nothing that I could say, wow, that, that seemed like something. Yeah, uh, I've had yeah. psychics get mad at me. I myself also, I have not had a personal experience that was compelling to where um, I thought that like ghosts were real or anything. So, like so what what drives you? Is it just curiosity? Yeah, I mean, I, I have like kind of a terrifying fear of of death to a certain degree. So I, it's something I thought a lot about. And uh, this particular subject, I also, I've done psychedelics quite a bit. And uh, I've had some really amazing experiences. And then I've had some kind of like um, see behind the curtain experiences with psychedelics that I think are fairly rare. Okay. And uh, that opens the possibility like, oh, maybe everything is not like these connections that people are having, these like interactions with this or that maybe it is just all generated by our minds and uh but i've also had shared hallucinations right so me and someone else saw the same thing it was not real but Ooh. we both saw the same thing so what happened there you know like how how did how did our minds kind of meld in some sort of a way like and i think there's a lot more than we know and so i'm just really interested in all of that stuff and I, and i i'm open to the possibility of being wrong uh, about I, I really would like to to be wrong and to discover something that was compelling enough to me to believe that we live on in some sort of a way um more so than just energy right so right. for me one of the big things is consciousness am i going to be able to take my memories with me after this body is gone and if not if i'm energy i don't care about that anyway so energy living on wonderful it's not my memories. It's not me. So, yeah. I, I hear that. I hate my body. If I could just be spirit, I would dig that. It <laughs> would be cool. Yeah, there's so much here. here. Uh, now, I'm going to sound like a fruit loop, but I'm going to share a story about that in, in a second. But I just want to, when you talk about psychedelics, what are we talking about? We're talking about mushrooms, LSD, uh, DMT. Oh, good point. Yeah, absolutely. Because the actual realm of the drugs that uh, we talk about, um, MDMA, for example, is a methamphetamine. Right. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not just psychedelic drugs. But these are the drugs that tend to take people on these hallucinogenic trips, right? So we're talking about um, research chemicals. We're talking about ketamine. We're talking about, of course, psilocybin mushrooms. Uh, the other, uh, the other kind of mushroom I forget, but uh, you know, the Amanita muscaria, the, the active ingredient in that is not psilocybin. Um, the uh, DMT. Uh, LSD, you know, all of these kind of things and MDMA, uh, everything they're studying that could be therapeutic. And then I, you know, I've done, I think I've done all of those things. So. Well, I've done, <laughs> I've done more, more than my share of LSD and mushrooms. I've done old psilocybin, I've done mescaline, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I've never done DMT or ketamine. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, this these are the ones where I think people most often talk about that spiritual uh, or or this awakening to that beings that that come to you and communicate with you. Those yeah. are the ones, and I'm really want to have that experience. I've been trying for probably about five years now to figure out how an old man like me can go there's, about getting DMT. Uh, you could you could go you could go do uh, salvia right now and have a hallucinogenic experience that's extremely similar to DMT, and it'll be the most you've ever hallucinated. It what could is that? Uh, salvia divornium. So uh, some places they call it sage root extract, but this is a, a legal thing. You could probably buy it on Amazon. And uh, yeah, and it is the most <laughs> powerful hallucinogen I've ever done. Uh, uh, DMT is very close, but DMT is kind of happy. It's like well, for, for most people, there are a few people who ha have had neg really uh, frightening incidents. Absolutely. Absolutely. Salvia is the opposite. It's most people have these scary kind of frightening trips with salvia. But is that the rocket ship that DMT, because I've heard from people who, who have done a lot of it, that uh, it's a 15 minute at most trip, which is what I want. I don't want the LSD 15 hour, 24 hour. I uh, can't get off this. Exactly yeah. So <laughs> yeah. the scary thing about it is like, so your heart will beat fast, you know, it'll be a little bit of a physical experience, but uh, the actual trip part of Salvia is about a five minute experience i would say and then there's an owl and, and that so let me explain that um during that five minutes you probably won't be able to walk uh or hold your body up um you might not be kind of aware of time or what is happening around you in any sort of a way uh anything that does happen around you can direct your trip into really horrible dark places uh, you can watch people on YouTube doing these things and like, they just go away. Like I, I've done it. I've, I've kind of held people's hand during this experience numerous times. And um, you can kind of see their eyes. Like there's, there's this experience where uh, people are used to doing these other drugs where you're still yourself. Uh, this, you see, you feel yourself going away and people kind of panic. They are like, Oh no, this is the highest I've ever been. I will never, be able to be me again this is too much i'm going to be one of these crazy people talking on the street it's that kind of a fear it's too much wow. and so a lot of times people will get up and try and like run or or walk <laughs> yeah they're trying well, to get that can't it. that can't be necessarily safe so this is something you should probably yeah, do with, with somebody story. else monitoring you at least right this is why i've done this job many times <laughs> generally what i tell people when i see the panic is it's going to be over soon. Just write it out. I had people do that with me on acid, though. It, 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 mm -hmm. Sometimes that can make things worse. It's yeah. just stay calm, man. Stay cool. It'll, it'll pass. I've had some incredible, the most hallucinogenic experience I've ever had. That the one I was referring to, where like it pulled the curtains behind, like I saw the the professor. You know, and what was that? Vision. That was on salvia. Really, and yeah. so this is sold on, on legally over the counter to people. Oh yeah, legally. That's bizarre to me. It's uh, unbelievable. <laughs> I I'm totally shocked. It, the only reason that you don't have people like in the news constantly like getting in their car because it's fairly quick. Probably not going to make it to your car 
or anything like that. And uh, doing it is kind of scary. So a lot of people kind of prep you on it where they're like, be careful. Like, have you done this before? Like people kind of know Right. this is powerful. Have you done DMT? Yeah. Numerous times. Yeah. And, and did you get the um, what the people because people describe them in different ways, gremlins, elves. Uh... I've interacted with entities on acid and research chemicals. I and never that got those. The only in time that I that I so research chemicals would be like something like two CB. It's extremely similar to acid, but slightly right. molecularly different. I never got, and I did real LSD in the days when it was like natural LSD in Timothy Leary days. That's how old I am. But I did it probably no exaggeration 300 times and never had any of the entity stuff but i did have uh telepathic uh communication experiences where i am certain the girl who was in my band and i uh were were speaking without speaking uh and and so that part of it so uh, that part can be confused as um maybe a spiritual experience if you're if you if sure. you want to interpret that way so but- I, i've had those experiences and then i talked to that person and then realized that we were not communicating that they were thinking about something entirely right so that when you talked about that shared hallucination that's what i'm thinking maybe that was is like you were both on the same wavelength communicating somehow what i think it is is that um chemically similar things are happening to our brains and that whatever the physical stimulation was that we saw, we saw like the same thing on a TV. I think that the physical stimulation was probably so similar and both of our brains just kind of reacted the same way to it, that it's more mathematical and just kind of not really that we were connected. Yeah, I dig that. Um, but no two brains are exactly the same too. So chemical reactions on, on two different brains, my, it's, it's, it's it would be tough. interesting to get like real scientists who are doing like brainwave analysis and all that kind of stuff to the, do that stuff under hallucination. You know, The thing that broke my heart on Salvia was that I had a conversation with my mom. Ooh. Like, so she, I was living at my parents' house and, um, my friends were screwing with me and that this is something that you generally never have when you're doing these drugs. I said, I said to them, they were screwing with each other when they did it and they were doing it for their first time. And I just gave them a little bit. I didn't give them the full experience. And, uh, and I said to them, don't mess with me. And they're like, okay. And then as soon as I did it, they're like, your mom comes into the room. So I, I saw her come into the room. She physically came in. I saw her. And she was disappointing me. We taught, she said things to me. I said like back to her things. And after the experience, like it took years for me to think about it to where I realized this. She had no idea that that experience happened. My brain entirely manifested that whole experience, every aspect of it, the conversation, what she said to me, what I said to her. And, and uh, did she uh, resonate with the an- with the conversation with her side of the conversation? Like that's what I would have responded, did, or, or not? You didn't even know it happened, right? right. But when no. you explained it to her, uh, yeah. maybe what I'm explaining kind to of, kind th- of, you know, like I know her, you know, but she was just like kind of taken aback, even like she didn't even know what to say, like right. when I explained that to her, and and. Um, my friends had to explain to me that that didn't happen after I came out of it. Like, I was like, my, did my mom come in? They're like, no. I'm like, really? Like, it's like, to me, it was real. Right. 
And, the one, the uh, one yeah. I don't want to try is ayahuasca, and because and because I've heard that you, you, almost everybody who does it, yeah, there's a lot of throwing up in, involved. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Is it is there any in ketamine or 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 any of the other stuff that you talk about, like that throwing up, getting sick? Um. Well, I I suppose you could, like, if you um just were sensitive to it in some sort of way, but it's not like ayahuasca where it's like or peyote where it's part of the trip. It's yeah, not I, I'm not ketamine down for that. It's good. I, I would highly recommend trying ketamine, especially if you like acid. And how, how is that done? Is that smoked? Snorted, mostly. Snorted. Yeah. Sometimes they inject it. So if you're oh, going no, to that, one of these clinics, they put <laughs> in an IV, and then they have a therapist like guide you through the, the experience. Okay. Yeah. Um, legal ketamine clinics. Back to and we, this is all kind of related, so it's not like really back to. But on on the when I said I was going to tell something, it's going to give the impression that I'm a kind of fruit loops. I am a, a hardcore skeptic. I want to see proof of things, uh, and the experience that I've heard described to me in, in like DMT, where they see these entities, is not necessarily the experience that I'm looking for when I when I talk about afterlife and all this stuff. And, you know, I agree with you. Death can be a uh, scary prospect, especially and not the act of, act of physically dying. I'm, you know, to me, that's scary. That that moment of what am I going to go through to get to dead? <laughs> you know, that experience of dying. That's scary for me. But the idea that would the memories and uh, who we are, the essence of our personality disappears. That's a scary thought to me. But uh, last week, and this has nothing to do with hallucinogens at all. I was totally maybe a little pot, <laughs> but I was working on a song. My, I, you know, and here's the thing: I have a son who passed five years ago, coming up on five years ago. Sure, and it's very, <clears throat> very common for people who've lost a loved one to let their imagination run away with them in, in cer certain circumstances. And I've had a few experiences where I could have swore I saw my son after he passed. Uh, and um, so last week I was working on a song, a tribute to him. And I'd been working on it for about a day. And finally just like uh, was at the point where I just need a break from this. I took a walk away and I went to my mailbox, which is several hundred feet from my property. I had to walk across. And as I was turning around from uh, the mailbox, I heard, watch your back, Pops. And it was something my son would definitely say to me. And I turned around, and there he was on a bicycle, red bicycle, almost hit me. And I was like, son, I took a step back. Like, is this, you know, is this a grieving parent's imagination running away from him? And uh, the kid turned around, looked me right in the face, smiled right in my face, wearing a North Face hat like that. My, one of the last things I remember seeing my son wearing is this black North face cap. He looked me right in the face and smiled, gave me this like really goofy smile, like fuck you buddy. Like I'm just fucking with you. And the, the essence of the song was basically, uh, I, I have weak faith. I don't believe in this afterlife stuff. I don't believe in this stuff. I need a sign. I need some, show me something. Sure, sure. And then there I have this experience. Now that sounds like a kooky, no, uh, no. I, I, maybe not to you because you've been investigating this stuff for a, for a while. But to, if I told that story to most people, uh, and I just did, whether I cared mm -hmm. to or not, uh, they're going to think, wow, that's just a great, and I have that rational side of me that says, this is just a 
grieving parent experiencing something they want to see. So there's part of that. So I, I'm grounded in that. But I, when you have that kind of experience, the rest of the day for, for me. Was oh, like, for sure. Yeah. I, I have a friend who had an experience extremely similar to that. But um, it was um, he was camping or something and his tent caught on fire and he heard somebody like calling his name in his sleep or like in his like between consciousness thing. And then he woke up and was able to like get his stuff together. Uh, and then uh, he was able to ask the person if they were calling his name and they weren't. Right. So something happened in his yeah. own brain where his brain said to him, we need to survive. And right. some crazy shit. I'm, <laughs> I'm wondering if there is something that triggers that kind of response. It's like a, almost a, like a hallucinogenic response, callback or something. Because other than that, the only other ex, only other explanation is that it was a real experience, and that yeah. is <laughs> I'm, like I love the possibility that that could still be the answer. Right? Yeah, I would love that too. I mean, obviously, as somebody who's lost a, a son, I would love to be able to see him again, and and just so that was you know. But that could be what's driving it in within my own. It, it's so hard to know what what's real in in those situations. Yeah. That's why I like do this. Like I'm I'm still like interested, and I'll talk to people, and it's almost always a story that kind of like what you said. Like the people who are most powerfully convinced have had some sort of a, a tragic loss or some sort of you know trauma in their life, and then this other thing is kind of like a, a curious therapy that, that happens. And, you know, they acknowledge that it is helpful to them, but they think also that this is real. The experiences couldn't possibly be a hallucination or some sort of a function of the mind. I can understand that how, how, because with this experience, I wanted to get in because the kid was going so fast on the bike. I wanted to go down and track him down. But then I thought, man, this kid was going to fucking call the cops on me. <laughs> like, like this fucking crazy guy is that? But he seemed happy enough and smiling enough. We would have been into it, but he was gone in a, in a flash. And then I thought maybe I just want to, I want to hold on to the possibility and if, if i chase him down and find out it's just some other kid that looks similar to him that's going to ruin the experience for me so, so, so i mean, uh, yeah. so the child reincarnation story that i saw that was the most compelling is like there's this investigator guy and he like tries to to kind of um debunk these kids to a certain degree right so he gets this story i'm watching it um and it's a one-shot thing and uh he has five sets of pictures right? And this child has mentioned places and things from a place where he's never been. His mother knows he's never been there. You know, she's been present during his entire life. <laughs> so he's never seen these places. He's never, you know, like on TV or even like, like it's, it's extremely unlikely that this is something like that, you know? So this investigator guy has five sets of pictures and he's showing him the actual place that this child is referred to. And then similar looking places that the, you know, and then says, which is the place. And I watched this child go five for five. And when he saw the pictures, you could see his eyes light up like, Oh, I recognize that. Wow. And, and uh, this is a child. This is like a five-year-old child. They can barely talk. You know, like um, to me, that opened the door. I'm like, okay, what the fuck is happening here? Is this this person? Like, where was the 
the consciousness during this entire period of time between that person's death and this child's birth. And then like, it's just like, what the hell? I, and so that, that kind of thing keeps me open-minded. Yeah. It's funny to be a skeptic and have those moments where the, the hair on the back of your neck stands up and you, you, you try to look for a rationale uh, and, and, and justify it and kind of figure out what's really going on. But when you have no answers for it, it can kind of, it can, it can shake you to the core as far as your own uh, disbelief. Now with reincarnation, I have had a lot of experience with with interviewing people who are firm believers in reincarnation that caused me to think it's all a bunch of hooey and bunk. But then when I see prodigies, four-year-olds, three-year-olds who are just amazing prodigies at something, I think that is the most compelling evidence for, for reincarnation uh, that I've ever seen. But those people don't necessarily claim it to be reincarnation, but I think they're like, it's impossible. I understand the brain uh, is more receptive to learning, but when you see a four-year-old kid or a three-year-old kid whipping out like classical uh, concertos, uh, just like uh, like it's nothing, where people who've studied the uh, the instrument for 30 or 40 years are, have difficulty playing those pieces. You have to wonder, is, could this be an old soul with, within this kid? Children are uniquely honest, right? You know? Right. So it's very unlikely that someone has like coached them or that they're trying to manipulate you in some sort of way. And they definitely and, don't have like a media uh, lust, like I'm looking to get on television because yeah, they yeah. don't even really understand what that means. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really, really interesting to see those things. And, and, uh, and the other thing I think is interesting is that um, they don't refer to this knowledge as something that they were able to tap into or that they know. Right. Right. They refer to it as this was me. I was this other person. Right. I see that kind of stuff. That's, and that's so interesting. The, the problem I have with adults claiming uh, of reincarnation and reincarnation-like experiences is they, too many of them are the same people. Like, we couldn't have both been Elvis, right? Uh, there was only one Elvis. So if, you, if you're claiming to be Elvis and I'm claiming to be Elvis, one of us is wrong, at least. At least, yeah. probably both. Well, that that's a Bigfoot thing, too. Like, how many people have said they're in the suit? There's a bunch of them. They could right. not be in the suit. And the, the idea, are, are there new souls? Because uh, with the population growing, not every living person could have been somebody else before. I mean, it doesn't, the math doesn't but work. But <laughs> like, oh, well, there's, you could be transitioning from being an animal to being a human being or oh. vice versa. And, you know, it, it, there's always, there's always some sort of angle, Right. Right. I don't know about uh, the animal stuff. That that would be a difficult one. But, uh, you know, I guess if I'm going to keep an open mind, I have to keep an open mind to that, yeah, too. The, the kid stuff is the one that gets me because yeah. I, I I believe them, to be honest, you know, I, and, and watching those things and seeing how difficult it is for them, they forget. Like, that's another thing that's common in those stories is that as they get older, they don't remember the old life anymore. So that that also makes me feel like, oh, that leans towards logic, right? Like as you are setting up new memories, you're going to like kind of lose your attachment to this old body, this old life, these old memories. Yeah. Uh, now, what about the uh, um, near-death experience uh, people? Uh, have you have you done yeah, a lot so of speaking to them directly? Because I've had a couple of them on this program. 
so those to me seem almost entirely like psychedelic experiences. And I would say almost without a doubt are hallucinations and, and some sort of like, like we talked about before where me and my friend had a shared hallucination. I think that, you know, them being able to read numbers on the top of a refrigerator or something like that uh, is not their bot. Like they're not physically out of their body and, and over the refrigerator that somehow they're tapping into some sort of consciousness or, or able to get that information in some sort of way. I don't, I don't, I don't believe in the, uh, the spirit leaving the body. Uh, I have friends who have had those experiences and I just, I feel like it's so much more likely that it's some sort of malfunction of the brain. Yeah. The, the problem uh, uh, malfunction is a, um, maybe a, a, an odd function, right? An odd an function odd of the brain. But the, the thing that gets me is because they are so similar, uh, my, my rational side of me says, well, they've been preconditioned to, to think because they've heard this story from other people so when it happens to them that's how they recall it's like almost like a dream state where uh you put it together after the fact like you don't really remember your dreams that clearly you kind of reconstruct them in the moment you wake up and and when you tell them to people you're telling that version of it that you reconstructed after you came back to full consciousness and I think what happens is they've had some kind of experience that felt profound. They've heard this story of the light and going to the, the going to the light and rising out of yeah. your body and all that stuff. And they kind of, you know, um, make yeah, they they kind of become one. They melt yeah. together. That experience of something profound happened to me. Oh, I've heard this story. Now let me come up with my version this of that. Not intentionally. Uh, as as you go uh, talk to people from different cultures, the changes the the stories kind of change uh, pertaining to how their culture has that right. story. So right. Maybe it's not a light. Maybe you're going to a, an island in the sky, or right. you're going off on a ship into you know like there's there's a variety of different um, similar kind of things that uh, steer this story. Maybe you don't you don't meet Jesus, but you meet Mohammed. Now, uh, speaking uh, of Island in the Sky, I want to get this clear because the URL is theskyisland.com. The Sky Sky Island Storytelling, but the URL for the website is skyisland.com. Yep, the Sky Island. Now, the problem with the the confusion here and why I want to make this uh, pretty clear to people who are listening, there is a film company called Sky Island Films. That's not you. No, no, we are <laughs> storytelling. Right, Sky is- Island storytelling, but you, you're a filmmaker. <laughs> so I, I don't want people going to Sky Island Films and expecting to find you. Sky, TheSkyIsland.com. Link yeah. is in the description, but it, it's a, it could be a little confusing. Yeah, and you can always look up my name. That usually takes you to my IMDB, and you can find all my stuff kind of from there. Right. And uh, Amazon is your prime, uh, prime, play on words there, is your prime distribution. um, Uh, They were my major for a while, but they have taken a hold on independent films of all kinds uh, at this point. For a while, it was just documentaries. And uh, 2B TV is the main place that's picking up all of the things that I have out. So what is that? I've never heard of that. That's Fox. So Fox owns a free excuse me, Fox owns a free streaming platform. Uh, Amazon owns a free streaming platform. That's part of what they're doing right now is transferring a lot of their prime content onto this uh, IMDB TV, which is their free streaming platform. 
And then Fox's is called Tubi TV. And uh, CBS has one, and that's called Pluto TV. And all of them are free. They put commercials into your projects. And, uh, you know, that's how it works. They pay me based on how many people watch it and all that kind of stuff. And actually, it's a better than Amazon. So since the last time you were here, you've come, you've done three new films? Is that? Oh, gosh. I feel like I might have done more than that. Um, really? Well, it's only been about a year. <laughs> yeah, we do about 10 a year. Wow. Yeah. So um, let's see. I can go uh, run down. The last one I did was the female pro wrestling one. Oh, I think I didn't, that one. We didn't talk about that. No, okay. so I have, I have, yeah, I have um, ladies women's wrestling. It's called uh, other side of the ring. And we tell four stories of uh, different women uh, from the past and current uh, involved in pro wrestling. All right. Let's, let's get, let's get like really controversial here and see if we can get me de- uh, demonetized and thrown off YouTube. Uh, <laughs> the, the ladies wrestling. Uh, are they all, are they all, natural women or the trans women involved or... oh. <laughs> well i didn't ask but uh they are all um traditional women as far as i know uh, uh when i was doing this it was also a little pre before the big trans right. push and there... i do know there are certain trans women that are in wrestling that are fairly well known because i think there's not that many really i i would think that having a lot of male DNA would give you an advantage in wrestling. But I'm, I, I mean, and I think that's common, a common assumption, but I'm, there's no like scientific proof of that. I know the only two times I got my ass kicked in my life were by females, but I, that was when I was a kid and it hasn't happened since I'm a man, but oh, uh, you can't fight back the same way sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm just wondering, you know, if, if female wrestling—I I didn't even know this was a was a thing—is it uh, as show businessy as professional wrestling? Like, sure, you know, sure. I don't want to say fake, but it because they're not—they are athletes, but they're not. It is scripted. Yeah. So, so here's the deal. Like, so uh, you probably remember Miss Elizabeth and Hulk Hogan. Yeah. So back then, women in wrestling were models, essentially. And they were just kind of, they were like coaches. They were the girlfriend of the wrestler. You know, they were playing a role in this whole uh, spectacle, but they were not doing the physical stuff. Sometimes they would get in and do a little something physical that maybe would look like they would get hurt, but they'd try to do something to where they'd be protected. Nothing too risky. Um, Because a lot of wrestling is basically just stunts, right? So, uh, now as we've progressed uh the women's movement in wrestling kind of got upset with how sexualized women were how they weren't um athletes and very very old time prior to miss elizabeth there were women wrestlers there were physical wrestlers you know and they were good and they did similar stuff to the men you know and so now there has been this huge movement of women athletes now taking it to another level there was a movie not all that long ago um it was called uh, fighting with my family and it was about one of these wrestlers that was in wwe that was during that big transition where they were models and kind of transitioning over now to athletes and 
now there's almost no models in wrestling. They're almost all athletes, I would right. say. And, and uh, like we all remember China, you know, she's probably the, one of the most male looking uh, <laughs> women still. And she was a woman. So some of the you, trans athletes you, you, might you, not even know. You don't really know that for, for a fact. <laughs> but, I mean, so, uh, I'm guessing they have to do some kind of testing for this, though, because <clears throat> if, they, if they're not testing, right, if they're not doing an actual physical test, it's possible, very possible for a man, not just a, not a trans woman, but a, a man to just dress up kind of de-hairify, make himself look as, oh. uh, as feminine as possible. He can't even though he still looks masculine, you know, still Adam's apple pointing out, but in other countries, this has been more of a common problem. Like, uh, in some of the Asian countries, Japan has uh, pro wrestling. They've had trans athletes and stuff like that, uh, in wrestling, but uh, I'll tell you, they're celebrated. Yeah. It's course. not a bad thing. You would hide it. You would no. want them to know. I get it. Anything for you know. This is this is the culture we've created, and anything for fame and, and 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 attention and all that stuff. It's all good, but you kind of made me laugh a little bit that the feminist movement got involved. Whenever it's like we get people who are just involved in uh, agendas and want to get in groups and just look for things that we can uh, aggressively change. I think that's bad for the world, but I, I it just strikes me that oh, yeah. feminists have nothing better to do than attack pro wrestling and think that that's going to yeah, yeah. Change the, the world for them yeah. and make it a better place for them. You know, it might have started in this kind of hyper vigilant place, but what I will say is that uh, currently the women have now basically outshined the men. Uh, in the WWE, the people who are their leading money generators are the women. Uh, the leading athletes some of the most physical matches the people like taking the most risks doing the most a lot of those are the women in in uh these major brands now and they've gone to saudi arabia they had the first women's match in saudi arabia like, now that's weird because they <laughs> yeah they they just subjugate women in other ways like you, you can you're not cheated as an equal there but you can wrestle it's it's so amazing <laughs> that they're like they're chipping away right and wow. it's, I take my hat off to them, you know, like it's a great thing. And um, I've been oppressed. I'm a cannabis person. I know what it's like, you know, they hate us for basically no reason. <laughs> yeah. And um, it, it's, it's this weird thing. And still cannabis is oppressed, you know, like I, I can't tell you how many of my people are, have legal companies, but they can't go to the bank. Right. <laughs> so. Um. Yeah, it's a it's a sticky wicket, and, and the the I try to be as uh, open minded as I can be in a boomer, a guy who came from a, but my generation, you know, it, change and and accepting change, uh, it's there's a difference between being open minded and wanting to accept it, and people who are just bigots. But there are people my age where accepting these things uh, is a slow burn. It's and and I think there are people who are not patient 
enough with with people who this is all new to us this because in the world i grew up in none of this really existed or people didn't talk about it enough so there is this ignorance among my generation the boomer generation and so if we're a little slow in accepting it that doesn't mean we're hateful it doesn't mean we're bigots about it it means yeah it's, it's just like getting dropped off on mars and and it, being expected to know the culture on Mars and, and adapt to it quickly. It just doesn't happen, right? You see it this, I, I've saw it in mixed martial arts also, right? And uh, right. Dane White is very vocal about it, where he, he had said vocally numerous times, there will never be women in the UFC. Right. And then a woman opened his mind. Right. And now look at it. They're one of the best parts of the UFC. So yeah. uh, it, it's it's a great thing. And, and uh, of course, there's going to be bad stuff, too. You know, there's bad stuff to everything. There's going to be people who abuse the system. I, I was watching the Golden Girls the other day. And they're complaining about all the same stuff we're complaining about now. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Problems. There's always going to be those things. You do what you can to, to be positive. This, you know, also goes along with my mindfulness stuff and all that stuff. Just, you know, try to be aware and and focus on the good things right let's talk about what because in order to shop your film or get people interested in it there is there a catalog of places where people can just browse the films because you've done so many films doing 10 a year uh it's not like we can promote one and say here's the link to that one Mm -hmm. i go to sky island of theskyisland.com and i did not see it listed so the uh, first thing you'll see on the main page is watch my films for free. If you click on that, it'll take you to basically a page of all of my films and links to where you can watch them for free. Or some some of them are still pay. Like there's a couple on Amazon where you got to pay. But wonderful. there's also free links. So Wonderful. <laughs> now, uh, for, for the future, I mean, God, 10 films a year. You must be doing films every single, working on films every single day of your life. We got uh, a lot in, in the in the uh in the kiln right so they're right. all on fire we're pulling them out as i'm able to complete them so right. we just were able to finish bullying so that film that i've been working on for almost two years and uh whereas the ghost films we worked on those for a few months and then bam they were out you know so right. uh it's different different films are kind of in different places i'm currently wearing the secret cup this Can't is- really tell it too well. Hold on, let me let me uh, zoom in on you here. How do I zoom in? Oh yeah, the stream this one. There you go. Uh, well, just- the main point is that this was the film that got me into filmmaking. That is my event that I was touring around the country uh, doing for cannabis, and eight years in the making, and it is finally about to be released. So wow, yeah, wow, <laughs> that's got to feel. Uh, uh, pretty satisfying to finally really get done with the project. <laughs> yeah, weight off my shoulders. Like I, I cannot express. What, what's there to be said about cannabis that hasn't been said already? Oh gosh, I mean, like right now, I feel like it's my child that I watched grow up, and and it's like in its teen ages, and I'm not very proud of like what it's doing uh, as far as like retail and what's popular and all that stuff. But the medical future of cannabis is great. And I think that a lot of people will um, be getting more and more healing as we're able to test and study it more and more with all these changing laws. So, all right. Let's go here because this is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a medical marijuana card. I'm in New York State. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the laws here, but it just got yeah. legal, got legalized here for recreational use in January of this year. 
Uh, but you still have to, and if you're going to buy it legally, you have to have a medical card because there are no dispensaries for recreational okay. marijuana yet. So if you're going to buy it, you're going to buy it illegally. You're going to have to go to your old dealer unless you have a card like mine. Now, the healing stuff, let's face it, uh, I got my card before it was legal here and go to a doctor or do, or a nurse practitioner, they say, what's wrong with you? Here's what you should, here's, here are the things that you should claim that are wrong with you if you want to get this card. What do you, which one of them are uh, you going to yeah, claim? Yeah. Uh, and uh, you, are you really using it for that? So I'm wondering what, seriously, what are the medical, because not everything, it doesn't cure cancer. You can't just smoke weed and think. We don't know how it. yet. It might, but we don't know how yet. Uh, it doesn't completely on its own. It can be a, a uh, it's not going to cure it. It's not going to put anybody into total remission. Or if it does, that's an extremely to, rare thing. We don't know how to administer it to get that result yet in the body. But we can right. get that result uh, in the Petri dish in the lab. Really? Yep. In interesting. Yeah. It causes the cannabis cells to eat themselves so they self-consume themselves so like if you've ever seen like uh yeah like it sounds a like what cancer is because that's what it's in, it seems like cancer is human body cells basically so, turning on it, it, it yeah if, if you've ever had like a wart or like a, a a thing on your finger and then you get treatment for it and eventually it just kind of flakes away right. that's what's happening there too so it just kind of self-consumes itself and then it's gone uh right. in the petri dish the step to getting that to happen in the body is the big step yeah well we fi we figured out a thousand ways to to uh kill rats with uh can with cancer but yeah. <laughs> you know petri dish is a long way away but yeah. what are the real i mean aside from minor treatments like uh, alleviating pain and relaxation and all that kind of stuff what are the real uh the serious provable uh conditions that cannabis can be used to treat that aren't overhyped because <laughs> a lot of it is overhyped i think you sure sure, sure. Uh, so um a better a better way of finding that thing out would be to to search that and to go to um a doctor who could tell you kind of more because I'm not a doctor. Yeah, but yeah, I know. And a lot of them will shy away from that this discussion too because they don't want to say that there's any provable. So it's just like we. This is hard to know. So when people use the future of cannabis in medical treatment, uh, it sounds like wishful thinking a lot to me. But there's a we, there's a doctor that was in one of ours. Her name is Sherry Yafai, and uh, you can find her on my film Cannabis and Your Doctor. And she's a really nice lady. If you were to send her an email question, I'm sure she would answer it, you know, and she is a cannabis doctor. She also works in the emergency room at Cedar sinai So uh, she is a very accomplished professional who is a proponent of cannabis. And so uh, it takes more people like that that are impressive to the average person to believe that this person knows what they're talking about. And, uh, and then honesty, right? So uh, a lot of the things you're absolutely right. You know, when, you're seeing CBD can cure everything, right. you know, like, well, that's probably not true. Yeah. Uh, so there are going to be certain things that it does help with. It seems like it helps a lot with pain. It does seem pre pretty authentic, but then let's talk about what we're saying there. Like, so in a clinical trial, if CBD is effective for pain, what's happening there? Well, uh, there are about 70% of the people in that trial that found 
that it was effective for pain. But that means there's 30% of the people that that still didn't work for them. Right. You know, and, and there's, that's true for all medicine, isn't it? Like almost everything has a certain amount of things that it works for and a certain amount it doesn't. Nothing's 100%. I think, I think heroin works for everybody. <laughs> I haven't done it, but I'm pretty sure if you, you inject if somebody... Well, well, you'll get high from it, right? But it might not be the same experience. And, and if I have had friends that took drugs like, and didn't get high, and I took the same drug, and I'm oh. destroyed. Yeah. And so people definitely react weird. To yeah. things, so yeah. I get it. Yeah, I just uh, I, I the the field of medical marijuana is a, feels it feels a little scammy to to me when 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 they when they overhype it and then I know for a fact when I went to my uh, to well, get my medical marijuana card mm-hmm. it was it was a dog and pony show it was like these are the things you should there's your menu of of ailments you you can claim to get this card. Which so so uh, I heard you mentioning uh, you do another show like dog. Uh, uh, co- uh, yeah, uh, co- uh, coffee with the dog. It's a so I have stuff. a great marijuana dog story. Okay, <laughs> so uh, we've all heard marijuana cures glaucoma, right? Yeah. This is this is like okay. So um, my my I moved into a house and uh, this was a lady I knew from the cannabis industry. And I was in a weird place and I moved in right quick and uh, her, she had three dogs and one of her dogs, I don't know what had happened or when it happened, but in the time that I'd known her, this dog had developed some sort of terrible eye problem to where the eye was like popping out of the eye. And um, people would come over to the house and you would see the dog and be like, oh my God, you need to take that dog to the hospital right now. You know, like it was terrible, but the dog. It, it wasn't hurting the dog at all. Like she acted like it was nothing. And um, it was just really interesting to see, okay, well, you know, it seems like there's no problem here. The owner is avoiding trying to spend the money on having to probably have an expensive surgery or something. And if the dog is fine, the dog is fine, whatever. And uh, so we smoke pot around the dog and the dog like would come over to you when you were smoking pot and you could like blow smoke in the dog's face and it kind of liked it and it like got in into it and to the point where like we started blowing the smoke through these toilet paper rolls and the dog would come up to the end of the toilet paper roll and like <laughs> lick the smoke up out of the, the toilet paper roll and then it got to the point where I could do it real efficiently I would take a hit in but I wouldn't inhale it and I'd blow all of it into her mouth and she would blow out smoke. <laughs> and so we we all thought, this is great. We're getting the dog high. Or it's like kind of maybe a bad thing in, in some ways. Yeah. She clearly enjoyed it. You know, like she was wanted this. Like, and, and so I had a girlfriend that moved in with me. And she had no job. Okay. And she just smoked uh, flour all day. And this dog, one of the interesting things, I smoke hash. It hated hash, did not want me to blow the smoke if it was hash, but if it was flour, she liked that. (laughs) And so uh, my girlfriend smoked flour and she would just stay home all day, smoking weed and I would be out doing whatever. And then I would come home. And after about like, I think it was like maybe a month or so, maybe two months, we started noticing the dog's eye was like shrinking back into its face wow and she did this for a while 
and I kid you not, the eye went all the way back in to the to where it was like it, it looked healed. Wow. <laughs> and this is from smoking, which smoking if there's any medical marijuana, it's almost never from smoking. It's really? like nesting from eating or something. Well, that is again now now that's a great story, the dog story, but uh, I go to a medical marijuana place. It's the only place I can get it, and it's smoking. They're now selling whole flour. This is how it comes in New York. And so, I mean, it's just bud, but um, so they... The medical they, aspect of that is going to be therapeutic at best. Right, So, but it's, it's only sold... It's not sold recreational. It's only sold as a medical product but even you say it, yeah. this is basically not really has very little medicinal uh, so some or, people say all pot I, use is medicinal because yeah. you are smoking <laughs> it to relax you are smoking it to have some sort of a, like calming effect to not think about a problem it, it's having some sort of a, a benefit uh, physically or you know yeah you know what I, uh, I put the reason I uh, I put it, uh, my stroke medicine, my hypertension medicine away, uh, and just went back to smoking pot. And basically, I haven't had any problems with high blood pressure uh, at all. But I got to stay pretty stoned. Yeah, I I always say to people, it's it's more likely that this is your first method of trying to heal yourself before you have to go to more serious. Uh, medicines and pot's going to do a lot for a lot of people but it's not going to you know heal a lot of problems that you might need to seek further help for, with right what well, uh what kind of uh getting away from the the the, the reefer talk for now and i'm sure youtube is going to say forget about this one man <laughs> uh just monetization wise they'll let me keep it up but they, they they consider everything we've talked about probably glorification of drug use i'm certain that they're gonna have that view of it, it happens to me yeah like yeah. it's really yeah. interesting they did it to my films too I'm not glorifying it. I'm just, I'm really asking serious questions about it for people who want to know. And that, oh, yeah. uh, but what kind of uh, topics for the future are you interested in? Are you branching out from mm-hmm. wheat? And, and, sure. Uh, so we're just about to do a real different topic. Uh, the African American Humor Awards. Oh. So um, somebody that was in one of my previous films, uh, this gentleman uh, knows him. And uh, has this story that he he thought we would be able to tell. So he came to me after seeing the other film and he presented me this story. It's a wonderful story. It's basically about how African-American comedians uh, were not really recognized for their talents in the olden days. And uh, now we've seen how extremely successful a lot of those uh, names have become. And they're an important part of the story of comedy. Right. The two and, big, the two biggest names right now are probably Kevin Hart and and, and David Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Uh, Out of all comedians, right? And those uh, they are black comedians, right? Right. So, I would I would uh, just on that just planting a seed. The I the struggle of female comedians now. Um, I know things have changed a little bit, but uh, we tend to think. And I'm just going to put this out there that women can't be funny. Women can be very funny. We are extremely sure. funny comedians, but I think the problem is guys. Well, a lot of times like women to be funny, they have to act like a guy. 
Right. Well, yeah, or that too. But or if you see, if a guy sees a, a woman who is attractive, the heterosexual male yeah, yeah. cannot really accept. If he's thinking with his dick, yeah, he yeah. can't be laughing. And so when you see, and the natural thing for a, for a heterosexual man, if he sees an attractive woman, so this is why I think it's difficult for attractive women to get recognized if, in com- comedy. The more, the less uh, attractive you are, or if you look like a guy or, or yeah, have guy attitudes and stuff, yeah. we can accept it more because you take that sexual con- connotation of it. But I'm thinking the I, the con- concept or the idea that women can't be funny is generally a male problem because male men have difficult times taking women or even really listening to the words they're saying once they st- once they look at them as a piece of meat <laughs> i agree with you yeah. I think it's probably uh, the case in at least some of the situations you know yeah i think there's a, a real uh room for documentary uh, uh approach to a lot of the stuff in comedy right now joke theft is one where and cancel culture i think definitely needs a serious look at it now i know a lot of people say there's no such thing as cancel culture and to some extent i agree with that like dave Chappelle wasn't canceled he actually made more money from the attempt to cancel him but christine levine uh, brought up the fact that people on the low end people working clubs you know, the the working man comic who's working club to club, not the famous guy. He is hurt by the, the whole um, concept of cancel culture. And now that you have to be really politically correct yeah. and think about all the things you're saying, I think there's a great room for that in documentary stuff, too. The ghost like in the comedy store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll have to just go over there and live there for a while and tell a bunch of stories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, uh, are you working on, on anything at the moment? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, um, the psychedelic medicine thing is a, a three part series. I'm trying to finish up the um, Native American history portion of psychedelic medicine. And uh, then I have a couple other ones that are coming about. Um, we're going to do Dog Man, which is kind of along the lines of Bigfoot. Uh, similar kind of. In, in North Carolina, is this the dog, uh, dog Man in North Carolina or is it a different one? There's a couple. Um, I think North Carolina is one of the major places. It's, uh, it's something that sounds a lot like a werewolf. And mm. so you hear these stories kind of some other places. Some of the stories are literally like a human with a dog face, which well, is that could be different. me. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing those. We're going to do, um, we're going to get back into UFOs and, and uh, kind of explore kind of some of the stuff we see going on in the, the military and, and the more scientific side of of uh the uto the all right UFO. before i let you go we have to tell we have to talk about that well mm-hmm. not uh, you know the ufo stuff has been talked about and i don't think we're going to offer anything new in here but your perspective on why the government and and people in government agencies and the military uh all of a sudden feel compelled it almost feels like they're going out of their way to convince us now that there might be all this truth to some of this stuff. And that makes me skeptical. (laughs) It makes me nervous when they start coming out and saying this stuff, that there there may be another agenda behind it. That's the big argument, right? And so what what they're saying is that um, this stuff is is Russian and Chinese technology that we're seeing and that they want us to uh, think that it's not, basically. 
It would be one thing if one person, like, you know, uh, Bob Lazar comes out and says something. Uh, but it seems like we're getting a plethora of people from a variety of different agencies coming out with this story. What is your take on why this is all happening? Why the uh, rush to all of a sudden be apparently be honest about something? Yeah, I feel two ways about it. I think that... Um there's definitely some validity that this, some of this could be smokescreen that maybe um, I, I look, I, I believe the commander Fravor story and like that whole experience, the video, I think that's all entirely authentic. Um, but what that is, they might have, there might be some people that do know more about what that is and that it is military and that they don't want us talking about that, right. you know, or, or and you know, getting too uh, interested in that whole subject. So um, there's a little bit of that, but and I also feel like um, maybe it's at a point where it's undeniable that they know people are going to be coming out with this stuff, and if people are coming up with their own stories about what the hell these things are, then it might be even worse than just saying like look this is what happened we know that it's happening it's not us you know like i i really hope that it's that i really hope that it's um, a honest disclosure because they realize that keeping it hidden is um it feels like a half honest disclosure to me and what i mean by that is you see the tiktok video but you see a radar type video where it's really hard to make out you know they have high def cameras on there. They have actual, uh, and and guys have iPhone. You know, just because you're in the military that doesn't mean you don't have an iPhone and stuff. You know, there's high def clear footage of this stuff, but the only stuff they release is the stuff that you can't really tell clearly. Now, if they have a belief that they have to have seen this footage, they have. If so, if they have a belief that they want to be fully dis- you know, disclosing uh, and come out and be honest about it, they could release the real footage instead yeah. of the, the, the grainy uh, I know radar. What you mean, but there's supposedly this really high res picture that has been talked about that they have. And no, like there's been, there's been leaks, but allegedly these leaks are not the actual picture. And uh, I don't know, you know, like we all want to know. I definitely want to know. I've it's so weird. I asked some of the UFO guys about this stuff. There's a fame. There's a uh, UFO movie called Mirage Men, right? Where right. they kind of talk about the misinformation campaign that they have participated in. And I asked some of the other uh, UFO guys in our film, I Want to Believe, uh, about that, and they had some interesting speculation. So nothing definitive, but. Yeah, you know, more questions than than answers always. I mean, every 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 time you every time you think you're getting some truth, it only opens up more questions about this stuff. I'm really curious about it, and I'm I'm just wondering, you know, again before I let you go, the uh, 
JFK files, because we're coming up next week is the anniversary of JFK's assassination. Yeah. Uh, by law, they were supposed to release the, the files uh, the first week of the uh, first year of the Trump administration for whatever the CIA got went to Trump because Trump was pretty um, adamant he was going to release the stuff he promised to in his campaign stuff, like most politicians. Yeah, uh, they, yeah they, he didn't do it. Now Biden was going to, and now Biden's been pressured not to. They, they keep you know, pulling it back from us by law. It should have been out four years ago. Uh, any interest in, in that? I know it's a, it's been talked about to every angle and all that stuff. Any interest in investigating that or when they keep pulling it back like that, then it aids to the thought that, Oh, well, what are they hiding? Like, really? I mean, what do you think we can't handle 60 yeah. years, 60 years later? It's almost 60 years now. What do you, th- what is so bad that you think we can't handle that the government was involved somehow? You don't think we've, we've been handling that. Well yeah, it's, it's interesting to me that it is a bipartisan cover up where right. it's not like, Oh, Trump's going to release it. And then everybody hates the Democrats and then right. all the Democrats and then all the Republicans. It's something that's going to be bad universally so what could this be i know well that that don't they understand that the more they do that the more we're determined to 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 shake the walls down until they come come out with the truth but by the time they do it will be so old and so uh, my experience with stuff like this is like it's usually some dumb thing that you're you you think that it's going to be the 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 King Tut's tomb, right? You think it's going to be, oh, and then it's nothing. It's like, yeah. oh, somebody's wife was going to get in trouble. And you're, you know, you're like, what? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, make a plan on coming back because I, I, there's, you know, all this kind of stuff. I love talking about this sure. stuff. So periodically, please check, check back with me anytime. anytime. Make, make this your first step. I know you, you were just completed some films and you were looking to, to kind of do some podcasts and stuff. Make this your first check in always. When you, you got done. it. Right. You got a deal. Thank you for coming in. And thank you for being patient with the StreamYard stuff today. And, and uh, hopefully uh, we, we'll send some people to your uh, films and get them to check it out. So I appreciate your time here. Thanks. My, my pleasure. Thank you very right. much for having me. I love what you do. And uh, anytime, I'll be happy to return. Cool. Bye for now. Jeremy Nori, folks, theskyisland.com. Don't don't go to skyislandfilms.com. It's theskyisland.com. We make it nice and easy for you. Uh, there's a link in the description. A whole variety of topics. And there's a, you know, a whole lot of food for thought and, and stuff. If you're interested in all this kind of stuff, um, you know, check out uh, Jeremy's work and good, good work and uh, uh, good stuff. Curious to hear what your thoughts on this. I know we have some, a lot of people in different chat rooms talking about different stuff from <laughs> transgender stuff to uh, hallucinogens and uh, cannabis and all that kind of stuff. Too much to keep up with. I will look through that, but send me emails uh, about your thoughts and comments on this program tonight. I have Dan Sheiks from chicfreaks.com and what Dan's written about or what he's an expert in or what, what we're going to talk about is Creating financial independence for young adults and teenagers. Uh, something I'm a little hesitant to really embrace fully. I mean, I, I love the idea of financial independence, people doing what they want in life. But I'm seeing too many young people looking for early retirement rather than looking for a fulfilling path for their life. In other words, how much money can I make rather than what is really going to fulfill me? 
Uh, this should be an interesting conversation. It sounds like a dull, boring topic, financial independence for young adults, but it could have some firework, could have some interesting food for thought. So uh, 8 p.m. tonight, Eastern. Hope you join me then. Till then, I'm Matt Napple for the Mind Dog TV podcast. And don't forget, join me tomorrow morning at 8 p.m. for Coffee with the Dog. Till then, I'm Matt Napple for the Mind Dog TV podcast. Have a great rest of your day and bye for now.
me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.